everybody, welcome back to the Meat Makers podcast. I'm your host Jack Blanch and right to the left of me is Rai Gerbrands. Hello everybody. And today we are interviewing Charlie. Uh, Charlie does these fantastic um, little clay pots in the in the shop and ranging from noodle pots to egg cups. Rai, tell us a bit about Charlie. Uh, so I met Charlie within the last year, so she's a relatively new maker to the shop. Uh, as soon as I met her... Um, I got on with her like a house on fire, she's hilarious, and we didn't actually mention it in the podcast, but the first thing she said to me was, you know why we're all mad, don't you? And I said, who's that? And she's like, Potters. And I was like, no, Charlie, why are you all mad? It's the silicon, it gets in your brain. (laughs) And I just thought from that moment on, I was like, me and you are going to get on really well. (laughs) On top of that, obviously she makes stunning pottery as well, so that that um and it sells really well on the web shop and in the shop yeah well um, it's f- beautiful isn't it oh it's lush and um well, first of all i'm really disappointed that we didn't we didn't talk about that on the podcast <laughs> that would have been brilliant from her perspective but also um second of all it's like she's only come into the shop recently but it's like incredible how well she's done very, isn't it? very well yeah you're gonna love it enjoy Kick this off, I suppose, is uh, tell us your name and uh, what what you do, basically. Uh, my name's Charlie Clark. I'm a potter, um, and I basically make um, stoneware functional pieces that people might get a bit of pleasure out in their homes. Something yeah. cosy. Well, um, I mean, first and foremost, I think um, the first thing that kind of struck me when um, coming into the coming into the shop, I think it was only a few, few weeks ago when I finally saw your ramen bowls here, but I thought, this is an amazing idea. Why haven't I seen this before? Well, it's not my idea. There's a lot of potters that make um, lovely noodle bowls. And um, I first saw, uh, the first noodle bowl I ever bought was in Spitalfields Market, probably about 15 years ago. Um, So, I mean, people make them all over the place, but... um, I do them a little bit differently because I kind of, when the clay is still wet, I bend it over there so that you can also hold it like that and it just gives it a little bit more fluidity and a lot of the, it's just a different shape. It just makes it feel a little bit more tactile. So that's a bit different to what you usually see. Um, and also I think during lockdown, everybody got really into ramen and noodles and all of that stuff. So it got really popular, didn't it? Yeah. 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 And, and you say it's not your idea, and it's not just the the feature of having the chopsticks going through the bowl and things like mm. that. It's the and clearly we're in such a small part of the world as well. Yeah, that yeah. we don't see things like this usually around here. So yeah, no, it, yeah, it's a very impressive and also a very nice touch as well. I, I like function as well as as well as something looking pretty. Yeah, you can use like them like up on the shelf and make them look. You know, like an actual display piece, so that's they work quite nicely for that, don't they? A feature in your kitchen. No, I did try and make um, like a mug version of them, um, but they weren't that popular, I suppose, because if you tip it up, it falls out the holes. I don't know. <laughs> 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 it didn't work quite so well. Yeah. Well, don't ever, don't ever make boats. <laughs> 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 so, how did this come to be? How did you start making pottery and and doing it? Full time, I guess. Um, 
Well, I was, um, I haven't done it all my life. I came to it as a sort of second career. And I had, I was kind of doing a, an evening club over in Oxford. Um, there was um, a group, a kind of community group called Oxpots. And you just kind of went and played with clay. There wasn't anybody to really teach you the wheel. So I was sort of struggling away, determined I was going to teach myself the wheel and failing miserably at trying to teach myself. And um, so I decided to have a couple of lessons with a really wonderful Canadian potter who's unfortunately moved back to Canada. Um, but when I said to her after three lessons, I'm completely addicted and I want to make a five-year plan to become a pottery teacher, she didn't laugh me out the room. She actually sort of said, OK, brilliant, how are you going to do that? And um, encouraged me to look for apprenticeships or talk me through what I might need to do. Um, and from there, I basically pestered my way into a, an apprenticeship over at Witchford Pottery. Well, it wasn't really an apprenticeship. It was a kind of what they call pottery worker. So I was being a bit of a dog's body and doing all the vacuuming and all the sort of kiln loading. Everybody does the kiln loading and that, but sort of mucking in, doing all the sort of grunt jobs, basically. But you're surrounded by such senior skilled potters that you can't help but take in if you're looking to you can't help but take in some of the skill and knowledge and out of hours um I was just practice 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 determined that I was going to learn to throw with a bit of kind of um help from some of the very generous senior potters there who'd stay you know half hour or something after work and put me on the right track with it um, and just aside from that, learn all the sort of extraneous um, stuff that's needed to work with clay, um, <clears throat> all the sort of recycling and working the kilns and just management, servicing of pots, all that kind of thing. So um, spent about a year and a quarter there and then went and worked at... Um, the Ashmolean, so just kind of... Oh, wow. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was basically just kind of um, customer assistance type thing, but showing people round galleries. What and an the, amazing I, place to work there. Yeah, I, it's a beautiful I'm place. I'm out of the loop here. What, what, what's this? So the Ashmolean is um, a fantastic museum over in Oxford, and there's lots of, amongst other things, there's lots of ceramic galleries, uh, ceramic, yeah, galleries within, the, within it. Um, and it's sort of dating back from prehistoric times up until contemporary exhibitions, all sorts of different um, eras. And you, so you've got Isnic pottery to sort of um, uh, the the very kind of um, things like del the blue and white Delft ware and all this kind of thing. So I was kind of getting knowledge all the kind of cultural and historical contexts of ceramics through the ages and how really very human it is and how international it is um yeah so it was a, it was a great experience and i learned i learned an awful lot about ceramics history while i was there uh, oh, yeah i've completely given away my ignorance <laughs> oh you must go because it's a really lovely we'll place together you'll love it yeah it's one yeah. of the most interesting a, places i've ever been it's a beautiful building yeah. as well isn't it mm. and a lot of the rooms they don't have much lighting because the light will damage the objects because they're so oh, old. Yeah. And there's things like shrunken heads as well. Ah, that's Pitt Rivers. That's ah, the Sister Museum. Door. So yeah, yeah. I, did, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. went to both. Yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, stunning. Yeah, it is gorgeous. We'll go. We'll have to take yeah. a trip, day trip to Oxford. Take the microphones. Yes. <laughs> no, you'll love it. And um, actually, they also run a really good um, ceramics events calendar. So sort of, it was a really good opportunity to get involved with that. I did that on a sort of more voluntary basis, but it gave me the opportunity to meet some really fantastic contemporary potters. Um, some of my heroes, like Lisa Hammond, who has set up um, a thing called Adopter Potter, which enables people to um, like run a subsidised um, apprenticeship scheme if they want to take somebody on. It's kind of the idea is that you're passing on skills to the next generation. So she's this amazing woman. She's set up all sorts of educational facilities. Um, Akiko Hirai, who's an amazing Japanese potter, Rupert Spira, all these people came to the Ashmolean and um, did talks and events and yeah so it was a it was a good experience for that and then I alongside working there I was basically um, in order to have access to a studio I was um, teaching the courses um, for an American potter who's based in North Oxford uh, called Illyria Pottery um, in exchange for running her courses she let me have access to her studio so from there I kind of continued making and started getting little commissions and that's where I kind of started Little Earthquake Pots um, just began it really very sort of small safe way and then uh, moved over to Nailsworth and set up the pottery the actual pottery in the business in earnest and that's kind of how and and all that happened um, within the five-year aim, so I was just incredibly lucky. Oh, but it, yeah, just um, just a lot of hours and a lot of determination and just foolhardiness. I struggle to make my five-week. <laughs> <laughs> Five years, maybe a bit easier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, well, how do you go about conceptualizing an idea? So saying, okay, here's here's what I want to do, mm -hmm. and then take us through the process of actually making it. And so, say, for example, a noodle bowl here. And, and what makes you decide what shape it's going to be, what colours and all that sort of thing? How do you go about that process? Um, I'm not really sure in terms of conceptualising. I suppose, um, I mean, a lot of it is, you know, obviously it's very functional stuff, and so I'm kind of going with, very often it's people who have made a particular request for something. So I can't claim any particular creativity on that score, really, yet. Although I have promised myself I might sort of try and sit down in the pottery and make a bit of time to try and be creative. Um, but so it's usually comes to, you know, somebody's requested something. Um, or maybe I've seen it at one of the ceramic fairs. I'm also involved in the art in clay fairs um, and that you can see hundreds of other potters who just you know really fantastic potters have made amazing things so I might kind of pick up some inspiration we kind of feed off each other for that um, and then <clears throat> yeah go into the studio play around with a few shapes um, it's quite difficult at the throwing stage to see what the end product's going to be like because there's so many stages until you get to the end product so you have to see it all the way through to know if it's going to work and be a nice thing but you make the piece so whether you throw it or hand build it um, I usually throw it um, 
which just means making it on the wheel. Um, and then it dries out, gets to uh, maybe probably the next day, it gets to what you call a leather hard stage. So all the kind of water's kind of dried off it enough for you to be able to hold it and it doesn't just squish. Um, at that point you wire it off, turn it upside down and then you maybe trim the base of it. So you might kind of just neaten up the bottom and it sits on the shelf. And the bit with it sitting on the shelf is the bit that takes a really long time. So that's, you're trying to basically dry it out enough for it to go in the first kiln. If you try and put it in the kiln before all the water's dried off it, it's that water, especially if you've got any little pockets of water in it, is going to kind of, the pressure's going to build up and explode in your kiln. So you, that's when you get explosions in the kiln. So you want everything to be as dry as possible. Um, it goes into first kiln, which is called the bisque kiln, biscuit kiln. And that I use a gas kiln, uh, so it's a live flame. Um, and you slowly raise the temperature, usually over sort of eight to 12 hours. It might be longer if you're putting in pots that you're not totally confident are completely dry. Um, because mine's uh, a gas kiln, I well, I have to sort of like turn it up gradually, so I have to keep going back to my kiln sort of every half hour or something to do it. Um, <clears throat> and then it reaches about a thousand degrees and that's when you turn it off and you let it cool down and it mirrors the same like schedule coming down as it has gone up. So if you've made any mistakes at any point going up, it's going to make the same mistake on its own going down, which is quite a weird and annoying thing. But anyway, um, and then when it's cool enough, you can glaze it. Um, that's at that stage when it's bisqueware, it's still a little bit porous, um, but it's vitrified, so it's not malleable anymore. But it's um, you couldn't put you know hold liquid in it because it's not you know it's still porous. It's at that stage that I'll glaze it um, and that I'll do sort of decoration on it, and then you put it into another kiln which is, well, it's the same kiln, but it's a different temperature schedule. Um, and because I'm using stoneware, um, I generally take it up to about uh, 1250 degrees, roughly. So that, again, oh, yeah. that's a kind of, yeah, um, sort of flames coming out the roof and that kind of thing. So it's, uh, but it's a really, really slow process, probably again, about 10 or 11 hours. And, um, then yeah, then <laughs> when it's cooled down, it's it's ready to pack up and bring over to the Maiden's Stroud shop. <laughs> I never knew that there was that many hours involved. Yeah. In the firings at all. That's yeah. Quite amazing. Yeah, yeah it's I'm a long time. Making a I will blow something up. <laughs> it's a really silly way to try and earn a living. <laughs> it's really silly. <laughs> Look how beautiful they are. Yeah, that's the trouble. I can't not do it now. I remember you telling me, so this orange glaze and the yellow yeah. are the same glaze, yeah. but it's just the amount of oxygen, right, that yeah. gets in, yeah. creates the colour. Yeah, that's right. So this glaze um, has, in the ingredients, it has copper carbonate in it. So if you allow a lot of oxygen air into the kiln, um, it kind of, it also has an orangey stain, which is what stops it going from green, but it, it will go very 
light it'll go like a very yellowy color if you do what we call a reduction kiln which is where you starve it of oxygen then it it looks very sort of this really intense beautiful red yeah and you can do a lot that's why i really wish that they would teach glazers in school as part of their chemistry lessons because i think you you know applied chemistry you can learn an awful lot from the different effects of chemical reactions to oxygen and heat and all the rest of it it's amazing it's an alchemy useful things though they wouldn't do that yeah and yeah people that are not particularly science-minded i think it would yeah help help people feel engaged yeah, get their brain going, definitely. Yeah. Well, it's, it's all about context, isn't it? It's yeah. like, okay, this is, yeah, it might be a very important lesson for me to learn, but how does this actually apply to yeah. what I'm going to be doing? And mm. uh, I imagine if, you know, they learn about, well, I remember just going back to when they were teaching us, um, we had we were doing clay work at, at school and uh, right. it was... It was the season to be doing it, and um, it wasn't me who did it. it. Probably wasn't even my class, but we did. Br- someone did break the kiln and yeah. everyone else's uh, things inside it because <laughs> they put too much water in it and yeah. didn't leave it to dry, and it exploded. It was yeah. a big thing. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, at the same time, we were probably learning about how what gives flames different colours in chemistry, and it's like. You wouldn't think that the two could could combine. Yeah, completely. And actually, it's interesting to say about kiln management as well, because I I do say to my younger students, the you know sort of building of the kiln and the way looking at the way um, that works is a really good entry way into physics as well. Mm. Um, so you know, pottery really does cover all sorts of. Um, skills and you know areas academic areas you you've got the one you know everybody thinks of it as an artistic pursuit but it's very very practical and you also cover your chemistry in the glazes you cover your physics in the kiln building or kiln arrangements um and then if you want to make any kind of business of it you're looking at you know um accountancy business communications all sorts of things it's you know it's a really good way of covering lots of bases for for kids really also i suppose having a functionable product as well yeah. so you have to think outside the box a little bit and try and make whatever it is you're making yeah. serve multiple functions like yeah. you've done the little divot in the i don't know if you call it but we we will now. We will now. <laughs> um, you've got the little groove. There you go. That's a better word. You've got the little <laughs> groove at the top of your bowl here, yeah. um, which serves not only as a place to rest the sticks, but also yeah. a way of holding it and things like that. Is yeah. there? I'm very curious. Do you have any other products that that you've kind of figured out how to give multiple functions to? Not necessarily multiple functions. I can't think of anything. But you know what I really try and do. I can, think of one. can you? The plated egg cups. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Courtesy oh. of your customers, actually. Yes. Yeah. So Charlie makes these beautiful plated egg cups. So they're about so big round, and then they're for putting boiled eggs. And that was the yep. original function. And having soldiers on the shop? side. Yes. Shall I go and get one? Can you fit? I can probably get one. <laughs> it was leg day for me today. So. I could get it if you want. No, that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> Just trying not to thrust any of your... <laughs> hey, the orange chart there. Jack, yes. Jack, back. Ah, yes. This sort of thing. Plated egg cup, yeah. Bring a cup of that. 
Ivy, come I don't on. Know. We do have a, a doggo with us today, ladies and gentlemen, as well. She's my today. agent. <laughs> yeah, she's she's the publicist and making sure that we're talking about the right things and yeah. not going off topic. And not at all just came over there to get her bone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, for anyone who is watching the podcast at the moment, you should be able to see... Well, right, pick up the... So we've got the painted egg cup. So we've got the nice orange one here, orange, red and yellow, and then the green and sort of... Yeah, so that's a good example of, of the reduction that we were talking about a, a bit ago because um, you can see there with the, the copper that when it's been, so it comes out green because it doesn't have the, the orangey stain in it to make it yellow um, and when it's been starved of oxygen it gets, a, it, so when it's been in a reduced bit and that's had um, like a bit of reduction just immediately around it, it blushes red. So you can see that chemical reaction. So, these were primarily meant as plated egg cups, so you can have your soldiers on there and their yeah. eggs. Mm -hmm. A lot of customers have been buying them for serving olives in, and oh. put the stones in the middle, or hummus for dips. Yeah. Oh, that's so really good. Or the other day someone bought, one of our candles fits perfectly in the middle. Oh. So it's a can, it can be <coughs> a candle holder as well. Oh, I should do them with little handles on them as well, then they could be like wee willy winky ones. Yes, <laughs> definitely. So yeah, yeah, there's a multifunctional one for you. Brilliant. No, I, I love that. I think it's, it's whenever whenever I'm making a purchase of some sort, it's, it's always, obviously there's the selfish part of it, you know, why do you want it? But it's always a bonus for me if I can think of different functions or, yeah. or think of multiple purposes for it. Yeah. If you've got Christmas coming up, like party tables, you can put your, I don't know, chips and dips. That's, a bit that's small exactly for chips and dips, but maybe like, yeah, crudités and dips, I don't know. But um, yeah, I think also I would try and make things. Um, so David Leach, the famous potter. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, where can we dogs? <laughs> Come here. Come yeah, that's actually that. good timing that she did that because I need to reset the cameras. <laughs> Um, okay. uh, we are back. <laughs> um, yeah, David Leach, the famous potter, talked about um, what he's aiming for was uh, pieces of crockery that would become an extension of your arm in the fact that you that it, they'd have the right balance and the right kind of feel. So, um, uh, you know, if you're holding a jug, it wouldn't feel awkward. It would feel like you could easily lift it and, you know, pour it, that kind of thing. So with that in mind, I kind of try and have um, anything anything that you're Cheers. going to be holding, um, <laughs> like you'd want to continue holding it. So what I'll do is things like in here, um, I put like a nape in the cup so that not only if you've got larger hands... Um, you do that and you've got room for your knuckles, but also you can give it a little cuddle. So it's kind of like that. So it's more yeah. ergonomic. I love exactly. it. Exactly. For those of you listening, um, there's a... So where where Charlie has put the handle of this this, this mug, you'd call it mug? Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, there's like a little groove going along the inside of the handle on the actual mug itself. So you can actually... Um, yeah, you can squeeze squeeze your big fat fingers in there and get your arms around it and things like that. I imagine yeah. as well, it'd probably make it easier to pass to somebody. Because I yeah. 
out of all the drinks I've made, hot drinks I've made for people, it's always tempting to just like hand yeah. it over like that. Yeah, and, and then like, they what? have to grab what? the whole no, I have hot to. bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you can just go like that, pass it over. And, yeah, oh, it's beautiful. Just makes it nicer to hold, and you can sort of sit there. You know, everyone sort of cradles your cup, and yeah, yeah. We haven't actually mentioned anything about the the little illustrations that you've got on here either as well the the this one has a couple of hairs on it mm-hmm. yeah and who you're doing this as well yeah so each piece is individually I, I decorate each piece individually um there's certain designs that crop up again and again um because they're popular and they're nice to do um i choose things like hairs um foxes, owls, things like that, because they have a kind of, we have a really deep folkloric connection to them, so people are kind of drawn to them anyway. They, you know, it means a lot to people, the, start, the moon-gazing hair, and um, <clears throat> and also British wildlife is really precious, you know, so sort of celebrating that, really. Uh, try and make them a little bit seasonal. Um, but, yeah, so I'm, and I'm also really into kind of, illustrated books grew up with a lot of illustrated literature so try to sort of bring that love of illustration through and do it make them each piece individual and they're beautiful thank you they're beautiful did you study illustration then no it was something uh, something that I kind of felt like I wanted to be when I was a kid you know Mm. I thought I might want to be an illustrator and it was you know or you don't want to follow an artistic career because there's no money in it but then you end up kind of doing something, you know. Yeah, well, more clearly, whoever said that never met you. <laughs> it's um, I love I love doing it. Um, so it's just it's just pure joy, really, and just kind of I, my background was in literature, and um, yeah, just kind of like bringing those stories through. I love that, and I'm an absolute sucker for the the breaking the kind of like struggling artist stereotype and things like that. It's like yeah. No, you, you're doing what you love, yeah. which means you're going to be doing it anyway, regardless of whether or not you're going to get paid. Yeah. And that's that's this kind of the secret sauce, really, that people keep on forgetting. It's like, yeah. no, don't wait until you're getting paid to do it. Do it because you love doing it anyway, and then getting paid will, will happen. Obviously, the whole do something you love and money will you'll never work a day in your life mentality it's, is it's, rubbish no it's not true at all it's, 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 it's going to be, be tired all the time yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but but yeah. the the sentiment that you're going to be doing it regardless of whether or not you're going to be making money yeah. just organically means that you will make money from it eventually. yeah completely i think um passion comes through in some whatever you're mm-hmm. doing so you know if you if you're passionate about it and you're prepared to work hard at least in the beginning, then it kind of, you know, it, it's quite infectious and people want to be, be a part of that and have a part of that, aren't they? I mean, I used to have um, jobs that were better paid, sort of management positions, and I think the trouble is when you are doing that, you end up spending quite a lot of that salary on things that make you feel the way you would feel if you were doing what you love doing as a career. So you do, you know, you spend that money on stress relieving activities and so I don't know I just I don't fill in that void yeah I don't necessarily put um you know obviously there's a balance and you sort of choose your stress don't you but um you know I don't put that much uh store by money particularly no no 
Well, I mean, obviously I'm trying to bring it away from being too self-help here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, the, the point in bringing this all up is is the fact that you have an excellent range of products and Thanks. beautiful range Thanks. of products as well. So it's, it's, it's not just, it's not just, oh yeah, I've, I've, look at me, I've made a wonderful thing. It's like, no, you actually have made a wonderful thing that is actually of use and value to other people. And people love yeah. them. They come in and even if they don't buy, say, the ramen bowl, they'll pick them up and they'll touch them and then they'll put them back carefully and they're like, that's really nice. And they start talking about yeah. you and, and what you do. And yeah, I think I think there's a growing awareness of um, handmade crafts, isn't there? Definitely. Yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, I think it's really difficult not to think of that scene from Ghost or whatever. <laughs> I'm sure you get that plenty, plenty of times. But um... well, well, yeah, before the whole COVID thing, I was doing um, a thing called a clay date uh, as a some something that I was doing to also oh, no. bring a, a bit of an income. And uh, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> no, well, it, you know, there's nothing dodgy about it, I promise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, um, <laughs> Until you said that, I would have believed you. <laughs> Trust this face. Um, yeah, so it would be that a couple was or not necessarily a romantic couple. It might be a you know father son or you know friends or whatever, and spend a couple of hours and take turns on the wheel. And I'd sort of give bespoke tuition. It was sort of a really relaxed, um, enjoyable way to kind of have a bit of an introduction to pottery. But it is because I called it a clay date and. Um, that's what it is on Facebook as well. People would think it was uh, perhaps more of a ghost scene, mm. and it, you know, it was a couple of times I had to sort of say, "No, there won't be candles or you know, <laughs> atmospheric music." Exactly, because you know, I'm not Whoopi Goldberg, and um, you know, <laughs> I'm there, so. Yeah. You know. <laughs> You get that all the time, so I'm so sorry for bringing it up. It's too funny to ignore. Yeah. yeah. One thing we haven't touched on yet. Um, so you mentioned, obviously, you started um, Little Earthquake Pots in Oxford. Yes. Um, but one thing that I don't know and I would like to know is why did you choose to call it Little Earthquake Pots? Little Earthquake Pots. Um, it's from the... Um, the track, the Tori Amos track, Little Earthquakes, um, and it also sounds quite elemental, um, but really, you know, the the song is kind of partly about, um, <clears throat> you know, the things that are really kind of important to us are it causes lots of little earthquakes in our lives, lots of you know sort of instabilities and difficulties, and it's kind of they are only little earthquakes, so sort of keeping perspective and going through it and anything that's worth doing is kind of worth enduring those things and you can't, if you're kind of drawn to do it, then you're going to experience those things and that's where the passion comes through and all of that. So it's it's kind of that and a bit more, but I won't go too self-helpy again. No, no, please carry on. No, 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 uh, I, I only said that because I'm only kind of... <laughs> I, was, I only said that from my perspective, okay. not yours. Like, yeah. 
if I start talking about it, I won't be able to stop. I need <laughs> yeah. to remember we're, we're making a show here. So, so, but if, you, if you're taking it to that place, please yeah, carry please on. Yeah, please do, because that was really interesting. I was like, okay. wow. Um, well, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, basically any, all the sort of, following a career in ceramics, like any arts or creative-based career, um, you know, you've got to endure lots of trials and tribulations. Um, and your journey with it's going to sound very hippish but your journey with understanding the material is it's a hard one journey and you're not always going to it's not a smooth journey it's not a smooth relationship development by any means and that goes for your relationship with the material the clay it takes time it takes patience um, but also your relationship with people that you might work alongside so maybe your students or your colleagues um, but also yourself, because your relationship with your own creativity is, it's a very, um, it's a very long pa- process that you have to be very patient with yourself about and just accept that there are going to be lots of highs and lows and kind of enjoy that and just see that as part of the journey and enjoy it really, try to. That's yeah. amazing. I didn't. I didn't know it was that deep. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Uh, yeah. Plus, it's a really good song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm def- definitely got plenty to take away with me now. I think from that, that was brilliant. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Right. Thank you. No, that was really lovely. What's um, what's next then for you at the moment? Is it? Have you got any more? Are you going to be keep keep on making the same things, or have you got a couple of other products in the pipeline that? we're not supposed to be talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, so I kind of, uh, I'm not really sure what direction I'm going to go with it and what I've promised myself is that I'm actually going to, having said all that about creativity, allow myself some time to revisit that creativity and think what I might want to kind of add to the collection and um, <clears throat> and add to my making. Maybe I'll sort of, continue trying to go bigger and more kind of I don't know um a statement PC uh, but I have yeah or yeah or something a little bit yeah more kind of um uh interior decorating kind of statement piece that kind of thing um I got um quite a love of all things Italian so I might try and bring some of that into it um in terms of design but also some got a few fun ideas for Christmas I don't know if I should say about that yeah do it because yeah well I don't know but I I, in case it doesn't happen (laughs) in case I don't do it it'll always be the web shop yeah yeah yeah. Uh, well I'm sort of hoping also to kind of like um, try and make some chess pieces and things like that so I think that might be a really nice special thing for Christmas um, but watch this space and it might might happen. I don't know, just hope that I haven't got too many noodle balls to make, otherwise I'll never get around to it. <laughs> well, Charlie, thank, thank you so much for coming down thank you and for having this me. today. Um, I, right, did you have any more questions that you wanted to ask? I don't think so. That was, yeah, really, really lovely. I've just been completely swept away. <laughs> it's really been, nice. It's been very... really nice to chat to you guys. Oh, no, it was very... Thanks for joining us on Meet the Makers. <laughs> yeah, and for hosting ivy as well sat there quietly in the yeah, corner well done ivy <laughs> with her bone your publicist <laughs> how do we do do you reckon we covered enough 
She's asleep. She's asleep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, thank you so much for coming down. And if anyone listening or watching the podcast at the moment would like to pick up a pick up a noodle pot or uh, an egg cup, egg cup slash plates or yeah. any of... There's bowls. so many. There's so many. Serving bowls. Yeah. Uh, just come on down to Kendrick Street in Maiden uh, in Maidenstroud in Stroud, and uh, yeah, we'll have a look. The web shop as well. So it's maidenstroud.co.uk. Charlie's whole range of what we have is on there, and it's always updated. Yeah. yeah. But be quick. The noodle bowls go very fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep up with the making. Yeah. No, thank you very much, Charlie. Thank you. Really Pleasure. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for coming.